Good morning, Mars Hill. If you would join me in a reading from 1 Kings 18, verses 15 to 21, that is found on page 329 in your Shed Bibles. Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mark Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat Jezebel at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went, sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mark Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, and the Lord be with you. If uh, we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Kyle Lake. I serve as one of the pastors here, and Happy New Year. One of uh, the things that I've noticed popping up, uh, at least on my social media pages the, the last handful of days, are ways that people have been trying to capture the last year. Uh, perhaps it's a memory from an important moment that happened this past year, like a wedding or the birth of a child. Perhaps uh, it's a picture of the number of books that they've read or pages that they've read over the last year, accomplishing a goal that they set out to do earlier in the year. Or a picture of the number of miles they've ridden on their bike the past year. All of these things, I think, point to a set of little decisions that have added up to something big, something significant in the life of the people, in the life of this particular person that is posting it. And here in this story that we are encountering this morning, the people of Israel are faced with an important decision of their own. A decision that will have implications for their lives. Where we find ourselves in our story this morning is in the, uh, the United Kingdom of Israel that's broken apart and is now two separate kingdoms. We've talked about this over the last handful of weeks. The once united nation is broken and is now the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And here we are in the northern kingdom of Israel under the reign of King Ahab, the son of Omri. And King Ahab 
has a bad reputation. Things are not great under the reign of King Ahab. If we go back just a couple of chapters here in 1 Kings to chapter 16, it says this. It says, He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Now, I can't imagine that is a good thing to have written about you in the scriptures, right? It is not going well under Ahab. And indeed, Ahab has followed in the ways of his father, has turned away from the Lord and the Lord's commands, and is chasing after other gods. Now, whether uh, this was common in the land of Israel at the time, and Ahab is just centralizing the worship of these Canaanite gods into one place, or if this is something that Ahab is bringing to the forefront, the text doesn't tell us. But what it does say is that it is not good for this to happen. And the person that continues to confront Ahab about his worship again and again, is the prophet Elijah. Elijah is the thorn in the side of King Ahab during this time, continuing to confront him and bring in front of his face the ways that he has turned from worshiping the Lord, the God of Israel, and is chasing after God's. And it has come to a head in this particular passage that we have read and heard this morning. Elijah has summoned the people of Israel and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah to meet him on Mount Carmel for what will be a celestial showdown. The God of Israel, the Lord, against Baal. And the story will play out over the next handful of verses. But before we can even get to what that showdown will look like, the terms and conditions for this, the ten golden commandments of this showdown, in the words of Hamilton, uh, we are given this question by the prophet Elijah. One that I think is important for us to engage. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. This question that Elijah puts before the people is an important one. It's a, it's a decisive one, one in which they are invited to make a decision once and for all. In this particular moment, at this time, who is the God in Israel? Is it the Lord? Or is it Baal? Who is God in Israel? And whoever it is, Follow that God. 
Now, Elijah's question is more than simply a mental shift or one of cognitive belief. But it's an embodied trust, one in which they will take up in their life and in their practice. For the God that they serve has implications and ramifications for how they will live their life as a people, how they will structure their communal life, who they will worship, and how that worship will look in their life. It will have implications for how they understand and live out who they are and who they are as a people and what that means for the world. It's an important question, one that invites them to reflect and to ask, in whom do we trust? Now, the Hebrew here is a bit clunky, but I think it communicates for us this sort of embodied reality in which the people are invited to take on and to live in their lives. It gets at the heart of Elijah's question. One way that we could translate this in, uh, from the original Hebrew is this. How long will you limp between two crutches? How long will you limp between two crutches. It takes on a different feel than the way that we're reading it here in English with wavering between two opinions, which just sort of lives in our mind. But we can imagine someone who has a limp, someone who is injured, someone who needs a crutch to get around. And the question that Elijah is asking is how long will you go between one crutch and the other crutch? This one and this one. That you have to make a choice. Which crutch will you rely on? Which one will support you? And if it is the Lord, then follow the Lord. And if it's Baal, then follow Baal. Because which crutch you lean upon, which crutch in which you put your trust will show up in your life. As the proverb says, as water reflects one's face, so one's life reflects one's heart. As water reflects one's face, so one's life reflects one's heart. And so Elijah puts this question before the people. Who is God in Israel? And I think what Elijah is inviting the people to remember, inviting the people to consider Inviting the people into is to remember their story. To draw back to a time when their ancestors were about to enter into this land that God was giving them. 
Enter into the land of Canaan. Enter into the land where these foreign gods were being worshipped. And Moses gave this warning. And invited them to remember who God was. Invited them through these words. To remember who they gave their allegiance to. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Oh, that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your being and all of your might. Elijah is inviting the people back into the story, remembering that they are invited to follow in the way of the Lord because of the way that the Lord has acted on their behalf. The way that the Lord has saved and redeemed them throughout their history. The way that the Lord has shown concern for them and their place. And is that true of Baal as well? And so who is the God in Israel? This question that Elijah puts before the people is a familiar one throughout the Old Testament. Later on in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses is sort of wrapping up his final words to the people of Israel before they will enter into the land and go on without Moses, Moses speaks these words. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. A strong warning from Moses to the people pointing ahead to this very moment, Elijah asking, how long will you waver between two crutches? If there's life here, if there's prosperity here, if there's goodness and beauty here, then follow that. But if there isn't, then go the other way. A challenge from Elijah. And in some ways, I think uh, for us as we read through the Old Testament, this is a little side note for us, read the Old Testament with Deuteronomy in one hand and the scriptures in the other. I think a lot of the Old Testament from Deuteronomy on 
makes sense when we read it through the lens of Deuteronomy. In some ways, it's the people trying to live out what Moses is commanding them to do here. So if you're planning on trying to read through uh, the Bible this year, keep Deuteronomy open next to you. Keep that fresh in your mind as you journey through the Old Testament because I think you'll find yourself coming back again and again to these pages. All right, back to where we left off. Elijah's asking this question. Why do you continue to limp between these two crutches? A question that we're asking throughout the Old Testament and one that Jesus takes up himself When he speaks these words uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and Baal. You cannot serve God and fill in the blank. This question that Elijah is asking shows up again and again. And I think it's an important one for us to ask, one to hold in front of us as we begin this new year. Why do we waver between two opinions? Where in our life are we limping between two crutches? If the Lord is God, then let us follow the Lord. But if the Lord is not God, then let us go in a different direction. In whom do you trust? In her short little story, A Good Man is Hard to Find, the author Flannery O'Connor writes the only way that she knows how, weaving grace and horror, pain and suffering with beauty, mystery and delight together in the richness of her characters and her stories. And in this one in particular, on the mouth of the murderous character, the misfit, she places these words. Jesus was the only one that ever raised the dead. And he shouldn't have done it. He thrown, thrown everything off balance. If he did what he said, then it's nothing for you to do but throw away everything and follow him. And if he didn't, then it's nothing for you to do but enjoy the few minutes you got left the best you can. What? What a word. In some ways, I think 
Flannery is hinting at what we see here in this particular story, but also the call that Jesus gives to each and every single one of us. If Jesus is who Jesus said he was, if he did the things that the scriptures say he did, then I think there is no other choice we can make than to throw everything off and follow him. But if that is not true, if he did not do the things that he did, if he didn't say the things that he said, if he was not crucified and risen from the grave, then as Paul would say, we are the greatest fools of all. And we should go in a different direction, living our lives however we want to live living our short lives however we want to live. And so Mars Hill, which crutch will we live and rely on this year? It's not if we use a crutch, but it's which one will we use? We are all dependent on something and someone outside of ourselves. And so if the Lord is God, if Jesus is the Lord and Messiah, let us follow him. But if he is not, let us go in our own way. And yet what I also know to be true is that as much as my heart, as much as I desire to not waver and limp between two crutches, I will. I will. Every single day. And that's why in part every single Sunday when we come in, we confess before the Lord that we have wavered, we have limped between two crutches. But here is some good news. That each Sunday we also come to this table. And this table promises and reminds us that the God we worship that God's heart is not divided. That that God's heart is not wavering. That this God does not limp between two crutches concerning you and me and this world. But this God's heart is love, a love that is unified, a love that is whole, a love that is pure and good. And this God, this God is one in whom we can trust. And so whenever we come to this table, limping as we may, we get to receive and be welcomed into a God who promises us love and life, unwavering, unbroken, unmerited, completely 
free and given to us. Thanks be to God. Amen. And so with that, let us come to this table. And so I say to you, Marcel, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we pray. Holy and right it is in our joyful duty to give you thanks and praise at all times and in all places, O Lord our God, almighty and everlasting creator. For you created the heavens in all of their splendor with the stars that shine brightly and twinkle in the still winter's night. And you created the earth with its plenty and created it with seasons of rest, knowing that it will create a harvest. And yet you demonstrated the fullness of your love in sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be our sacrifice, to be the one who reconciles us to you, to be the one who reminds us and paints a picture of your love for us. And so with the whole company of hosts, with angels and archangels, we bless and adore your glorious name, praising you, saying, holy, 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 God of power and might, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that the bread that we break and the cup that we bless would be to us the communion of the body and the blood of Christ. And that just as grains from many hills have been gathered into one loaf, and grapes from many vineyards have been gathered into one cup. May you too gather your people, gather your church into your kingdom, O Lord. And so we wait upon you. Come, Lord Jesus. And so we rehearse this story, remembering that it's been passed on to us. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after they had feasted, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, drink this in remembrance of me. And so whenever we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And with people all over the world, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, speaking these three little lines together, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so come.
Come all you who are hungry. Come all you who are thirsty. Come all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come all you who waver between two opinions and limp between two crutches. Come. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord invites you to the Lord's table. And so we invite you. There are tables around the room. If you'd like to pray with something, someone, Brian is in the back there. would love to pray with you. You may also write a prayer request and stick it in one of the prayer walls and our staff will be praying for you this week. However and wherever you come, come. Not because we ought to come or should come, but because we may come. And so come. All things are ready.